Oh my God, we're still here. Patrick Hickey Jr. is coming up in a second. Writer, author, uh, you know, proud dad, New York guy. I'm running to me in New York, guys. I'm usually out here in LA doing my thing. Um, but if you want to know about getting out there and getting your things written up, published, moving, created, this is the place to be because for BenjaCon 2021, we've also got the amazing creator, Patrick Hickey Jr., author of the Minds Behind the Game series. He's going to be on. I know I'm running like five minutes late, but guess what? That's what happens in internet time. Things get a little fuzzy. And if you watch Loki, you know what I'm talking about. Boom, boom. All right, let's go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, if you have any questions, make sure you drop them in the comments and keep this thing flowing. It's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. And here we go already. Boom. What's up, my man? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. I am living here at 6 p.m., connecting with you at 9 p.m., way out in New York. How are things? Yep. Everything's good. Long day. Uh, kids are sleeping. Wife is relaxing. So all is good. All is good. Happy to, uh, happy to be here. All right. So, um, wow. Uh, you are one of the most active people I know. And I am proud to say that, you know, I, you know, I have a whole thing about iron sharpens iron. When you run into people who are doing something and you're vibing, you know, keep connected with those people. And you're one of the people who, um, you know, you're a writer, uh, author. You know, I see that a lot. What's the difference between writer and author? <laughs> An author writes books. A writer sits in Starbucks and admires what they write on their uh, Microsoft Word, I guess. You know? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. There, there we go. Yeah. So, um, actually, what, what do you call yourself now? Uh, it's funny because um, I was on a podcast like a month ago and somebody was like, um, I can't describe you in a sentence. It's like, it's like impossible, you know? So I, yeah. I, I, I kind of just call myself a content creator um, because I'm an author, a voice actor. I'm writing for games now. I'm writing a comic book. Like I've got thousands of articles out there. So it's just like, I'm a journalist. I'm a college professor. I'm all these things. But at the end of the day, I'm a content creator. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I would never call myself an influencer because I never want to call myself an influencer. <laughs> but I think content creator is, I, I think I'm comfortable with that. But you have so much influence. <laughs> I don't think my yeah. opinion means any more than anybody else's. Yeah. But, you know, that, yeah. That's a story for another day. <laughs> Very awesome. So we spoke last year, um, you know, when I was just kind of like, hey, let me do something to bring to the people what I do in my personal life anyway. Um, I would do on, my, on the personal side, you know, I do FaceTimes. I just do conference calls with people. I would do podcast recordings that I never published. We would just get together and talk noise um, yeah. during the Comic-Con season. And you know, pandemic happened. I decided to do BenjaCon. It came out and it was just a random thing. And I recorded some videos and posted them and it was cool. So I didn't think I'd be doing it again, but here we are again. And I'm like, you know what? This is a valuable little thing we're doing. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. So I don't know. How are you feeling one year later? You're still doing your creating. Um, you're still in this crazy time. How are you feeling just in general? I mean, I think COVID was the best thing that ever happened to my writing career. Mm. Um, I think I was a workaholic before. Mm -hmm. um, like I would write in the morning on the bus on the way to work. 
I would write before work in my office. I would write during my lunch break. I would write on the bus on the way home to work and um, working hard and working smart. Yeah. And when the pandemic happened, I lost all of that and I had to write mm -hmm. from home. And okay. um, at first it was a little bit of a challenge because I would write before everyone woke up and write when everyone went to bed. And then over over time, I feel like my family really started to understand, like, what I do. Okay. And um, they became a support system that I didn't know was there, because writing could yeah. be incredibly lonely sometimes. Right. You know, and the fact that like my four year old um, can sit next to me and watch me write or watch me add a script to a comic book and like totally be into it. Um, it's like one of the best feelings like ever um, that my daughter could sit in my man cave behind me while I do voiceover for a game or do a trailer for a game and laugh and, and like, I have to go, <laughs> you know, like it's, it changes yeah. the experience so, so much, you know, and um, I wouldn't change the last year. I mean, I know the last year has gone so slow for so many people, right? but I mean, it's gone incredibly quick for me. I mean, I finished two books. I've written like six issues of my comic. I've done voiceover on like six games in the last year. Um, I wrote um, 12 side quests for uh, RPG that's in development right now. Like I did so many things. Um, just, I, yeah, it's been, the last year has been amazing for me. You know, I didn't put on the COVID-15 either. You know, I kind of yeah, forced yeah. myself to stay like in shape and my wife has been great that way like she's been like you know you need to go walk like you know go and like yeah yeah motivate me and stuff so it's just like it's been it's been amazing no the uh the support system is real man um it's funny uh i i started connecting with an aunt that i really didn't mesh with when i was younger you know she was yeah. always she was always like dismissing what i said like Oh, Benjamin, just calm down. And I was like, no, shut up, you old lady. Yeah, you know, I was just like, but it's weird. And, and, you know, now that I've gotten older, something pisses me off. And I kind of started doing what she did. Like, just go calm down, just blah, blah, blah. Just get your work done. Just keep moving. Keep your energy flowing. And I was like, holy crap. You know, and I got a Christmas card from her and I called her and I was like, hey, let's talk. And it was just this new vibe of, even in tough times, keeping going, you know, that creative energy is, is so important. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I, I think I'm, I'm hearing that you do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just feel like, um, for me, it's just like, it's kind of the first place I go. Um, if I'm stressed, if I'm angry, then I got to write, yeah. you know, then I got to, I got to do something that I feel will resonate with somebody else, you know? Like I have to create something that um, somebody else can enjoy. And I think when you're younger and you wanna be a writer, it's all about, well, did I say this the way that I wanted it to be? Is this exactly <laughs> the way I wanted it to be? Yeah. And then as you get older, you're like, writing is selfless. Writing is about connecting with other people. Writing is about trying to present something so someone else can be engaged, entertained, educated, all of those things. So it's just like, yeah, writing is just like, I have to write pretty much like every single day. If I don't, then, then there's a problem. <laughs> so, right. so yeah, I totally, I totally get it. 
I know what you mean. It's almost a, it almost gets to a, now I don't want to put this in a bad light, but it almost gets to a neurotic point of view where you're like, you know, and you feel oh, yeah. that yeah, I got to get that out. I got to do it. So. Absolutely. It's like, um, I, I've told people this before, like during podcasts that like, I've never drank and I've never smoked before in my life. I've never done any drugs. So impressive. Right. Writing is like my fix, you know, yeah. it's just like writing and Dunkin' Donuts coffee and my and my <laughs> wife are like my fix. Like I need those yeah. three things like pretty much and my kids. I need those every single day and I'll be OK. But it's just like, um, yeah, writing has just been a huge part of my life. And then um, I would say like a couple of months before my daughter was born, when I decided to do the Minds Behind the Games books, because I was just sick and tired of making other people look good. And sick and tired of like building brands for other people and not mm. like defining like my legacy. That's when like things changed so much. When I started yeah. to take, it's funny an author saying this, but like when I started taking authorship of my own legacy, um, right. that's when I feel like my writing went to another level, and I'm so much more proud of like the stuff that I've done over the past say five years than the stuff that I've done for the ten years before that in journalism and video game journalism. So. Awesome. So I want to I want to uh, follow up on that definitely. Yeah. But but before we do, um, shout out to you know that game dragon Jay oh, Brown, awesome. mm-hmm. ain't no grave comic Capri upholstery Galaxy Comics, um, Gonzaku 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 eighty two Jay Brown, yeah uh, M Jolly the Sh- Teshirms are in the camp. People in here right now. Some big yeah. supporters. Some of those people. Oh, Nick Alcorn is one of the most talented artists I've ever met in my entire life. Very I love awesome. Galaxy Comics in Brooklyn. There's so many great people in here right now. So it's awesome. Yeah. And you know, you know what's funny? Um, I was telling Fern the Campers in here. I was telling um, uh, Holly from Fern the Camper that Instagram was my least favorite social media platform. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a show and tell. It just felt like a hey, look at me kind of thing. And there were people putting real stuff out there, you know, and being authentic and having fun with it. But sure. for me, for me, it just wasn't meshing. Uh, and that's funny, kind of as a visual person. So at some point, I said, you know what, let me just be social with it. Let me put myself out there as a mm-hmm. brand. Um, you've heard my branding discussions. Absolutely. So, so, I you've, love so you've seen a change in me on this platform over yeah. uh, the past year or whatever. But I started getting on here and if you go to a comment section, all you'll see is like thumbs up, hearts, explosions, fire or whatever. I leave a thoughtful comment and the most somebody with like 5 million followers will notice, oh, an actual comment. I'll respond to that. And it's like, there it goes. Just actually trying to connect with people instead of like jockeying for likes, um, you know, hawking your your forex trader uh (laughs) quote-unquote business Uh uh-huh oh my god yeah i could care less about likes on posts like i use instagram totally as stream of consciousness i think i just posted probably like 45 minutes ago bulls versus uh blazers on the sega genesis because i was just like i could totally go for a game of that right now you know so just like super stream of consciousness i post a lot because my mind is constantly going a million miles an hour yeah. So um, that's like the, the second that I just kind of went with that, I started enjoying Instagram a thousand times more. And my following, like before um, COVID, I had less than a thousand people. And now I have over six. And I mean, one day I'd love to have that little blue check 
maybe when a couple more, you know, games come out that I've done voiceover on, maybe when a couple more books come out and stuff, but it's just like, um, I've met so many amazing people. Like um, yesterday I got a message from somebody, my buddy in the UK, um, he made me a Game Boy with a clean juice mod, which means it doesn't use batteries and a backlit huh. screen and a backlit screen and it has Conjury painted on the front and the back. I've never oh, met this crazy. man before. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I wanted to cry. You know, I'm just like, that's what this, that's what social media is about, meeting people that you would never meet before and connecting with them. I mean, come on, Ben, like 15 years ago, I'm playing Rockstar Table Tennis, and it's like one of my favorite <laughs> Xbox 360 games of all time. I wanted you. Yeah in my first book i messaged you when i was writing my first book i didn't get in contact with you eventually until like i started the sports book but i was just like when it was my idea to originally start this book series like i wanted rockstar table tennis in my first book because i was like this is like one of the coolest games i've ever played yeah you know so and it is and a weird story too so yeah yeah and now we talk and now we talk and i'm just like i know i know this guy you know it's just it's insane i love it yeah it's uh it's kind of amazing how how far we've come and the changes we've had as a society. And I don't think people have really stopped to realize how amazing and crazy all of this is in the past uh, 10, 15 years. It's Absolutely. just you know, amazing. Yeah, like, uh, I don't think we, 15 years ago, I don't think it would be possible for us to have, have met to discuss, like, our work. Right. I don't think, you know, and now it's like, I don't belong on this screen sharing it with you right now. Like, you are literally a rock star, you know, and I'm just yeah. like, but now we're talking. I love it. It's great. No, and, you know, that's, um, you know, where, where things connect. And it's funny, I've actually tried to avoid a lot of connections just because, you know, I'd run into people and, you know, they weren't saying something I like. So it's like, ah, this is bothering me, you know. But now that I found out, like you, you were saying earlier about just posting and, you know, the, the amount of content, you just have an idea and you post it. Once I stopped trying to be a certain something and made that transition into, no, I have an idea. This is a decent outlet for it. Boom, let's go. No, I have this. Let's go your output naturally increases because you're just flowing with your environment, whether it's digital or, you know, in real life with somebody at some point. So absolutely. I get it. Absolutely. It's like, um, for me, Instagram works best when it, it when, when it feels like you're doing like a 160 note combo in guitar hero, when your hands and your mind are just free flowing and you don't even know what you're doing and it's just muscle memory and mm -hmm. you're just rocking out like that's when i feel like social media works the best when you have to try super hard it's like then it's a chore why do it you know it's hard work anyway yeah you've got to at least try and be as authentic as possible you know and just have fun yeah you know the um the flowing and having fun and being authentic uh that's that's hard for a lot of people because they see it as a you know as a as a you know media platform and we think yeah. A lot of us think of that as, okay, let me go set up this shot. Let me go do this. I'm like, hey, that's fine if that's your fun, but don't feel pressured to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel the same way. It's just like, you know, um, I don't think 
I'm the best looking person in the entire world, but I probably take like a selfie a day because I'm just like, you know what, I'm comfortable in my own skin and I got cool stuff behind me or like I'm, I just bought a new Tiger Electronics, like Spider-Man game, whatever. I'm going to have, I'm going to have fun. And you know Tiger, what? Yeah. You know, like people, people will come and be like, where the hell did you get that? Oh, I didn't even know that exists. And that's the point, you know, just to have, just to have fun and connect. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of connecting, I'm sure most of the people here uh, know who you are and what you've done. Um, but, you know, here's Mines behind the shooter games, Mines behind the sports games, and the OG Mines behind the games. Um, I got a few more to catch up on. Oh, but oh, making me teary. The fact that those are in your hands is so the, cool These things are awesome, man. Um, Thank you. And I really... You know, I'm one of those people that's out there on the slight edge of, you know, hey, why don't we do this? You know, maybe not something, quote unquote, artsy and weird, but like when the table tennis idea was floating around uh, Rockstar and I got assigned to it, a lot of people ran away from the project. You know, they were kind of like, are you kidding me? That's a, that's dumb. That's, you know, and they ran away from it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was kind of like, no, that's that's something that needs to kind of be explored. That's an interesting angle. And when I run across stuff like that, like your books here, like um what I was what I was getting from you was like, no, this isn't like crazy weird out there, but it just hasn't been tapped into. It hasn't um we haven't really scratched the surface of it. So when you're in that zone, you know. How do, how do you as a creator, you know, embrace that unknown area of I'm doing something new and different, but I got to do it? I just felt like, like when I first started the books, um, my wife was five months pregnant and I knew that I wanted to do something really special before my daughter was born. Like something that I could kind of hang my hat on. Um, I didn't want to be one of those people that was like, I could have did this, but then I became a dad. I could have done this, but then I got married. I could have did this and then da 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 da. So I'm just like, I've got to do something. And originally I wanted to continue to build the journalism program at the college that I've taught at for 15 years. And um, I'm the assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn. And um, I went to my director and I'm just like, why don't we add a multimedia journalism course? I've taught it at other colleges. Let's, let's do this, let's build this program. And he was just like, no. I'm good. He's got tenure. He's got no reason to like want to do any, any more work, you know? So I was like really pissed off and I'm like, I just like instinctually then I, it was just like, I snapped, like, I'm going to write a book then mm -hmm. he goes, he goes, and we shared, we shared an office for 10 years, you know? And he's like, go write a book kid. <laughs> the and I, I was like, okay. And I went in my man cave and I sat down and I'm like, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. And I, I'm, and so I'm surrounded by, you know, over 3000 games. And I just start pulling out games like King's Bounty on the Genesis, Wonder Boy and Monster World, Jeez, yeah. Football, E.T. And I'm just like, I know, I know who Howard Scott Warshaw is. I know who Nisha yeah. Sawasan is. I know who Michael Mendheim is, you know? And I'm just like, I've interviewed some of these people before. Yeah. I'm like, an interview anthology, letting these people tell their stories. Like it all just like came to me. And um, so my two favorite things in the world, besides my wife and my kids and Dunkin' Donuts coffee, mm -hmm. is interviewing people 
and video games, you know? So I'm just like, if I could combine those two, that could be something really special. So I spent like a week to like pitching those, those like first five or six developers, but then also really taking a look at the other video game books that were out there. And um, many of them, nothing against them, mm -hmm. but um, were selfish endeavors, you know? The hundred greatest games of of all time. The hundred great, the hundred games to play before you die. Um, you know, all stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Or, or um, you know, there's other books out there where they say in the intro, these events may not have happened exactly the way that we're saying them. Like they've been changed up for dramatic yeah. effect and stuff like that. You know, and Seth Rogen wrote the intro to one of these books. So if you want to mm -hmm. find out which book it is, you could do it that way. Um, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want this to be like a raw, unfiltered, like look at, I want the developers to be able to say whatever they want to say. They yeah. can go as negative as they want to go. They can go as positive, but I want this to kind of be like an interview anthology where the developers have an opportunity to finally have their say. And um, that's kind of like where it started. It started from a very selfless place. Like I love the video game industry and I feel like developers need so much, they deserve so much more respect than they've ever gotten, especially like, you know, some of the people from the Atari, you know, era and the NES era that like some yeah. of them aren't in games anymore and they didn't even make enough money to like retire. They're in like completely different fields now. It's like, it's wild. So I'm just like, I need to preserve these stories. I need to immortalize them. Um, and that's where it all like that was like the frame of mind. So I didn't see a lot of video game books that were out there like that. So I was like, this is the course I'm going to go on. And then I just went on a crazy pitch spree. I probably pitched like 300, maybe 350 developers in the span of like six months. And I ended up getting like 50 for the first book. And then I didn't know if I was going to write a second book or not. Okay. And then what started to happen was all the people that get, didn't get back to me for the first book started getting back to me and I'm just like, okay. So then I just started to rack up interviews and hold on to them. Yeah. And then I, and then I pitched a sequel to my publisher and my publisher was like, no. And I went, what, 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 why? And they're like, you have enough content here for three different books. You have enough content for an adventure game book. You have enough for a sports book and for a shooter book. And then I looked at all everything that I had and I only had like 33 interviews done. And I'm like, I can't do three books with like 10 sources each. I just did a book with 30, like with 36 games. Yeah. So then I went out and I pitched like another like 200 developers. And then that's how we get like, I mean, the adventure book has 31, um, 31 games featured. Um, the sports book has 35, the shooter has 39. And then the, the two upcoming books, the mm -hmm. minds behind the Sega Genesis games and the minds behind the Sony PlayStation games. Those those both have 43. And um, the seventh book, which I'm working on right now, the minds behind the Sony PlayStation 2 games already has 31 sources. And I that's my manuscripts not due until like April. So I have plenty of time. Like I want to get like 50 if I can. So yeah, it's just, it's been insane. Like it's been insane, but it's been so much fun at the same time. Like just to get to talk to you, like, Oh my God. But then to talk to Menheim so many times to talk to Howard yeah. Scott Ward, Howard Scott Warshaw wrote his book and is like, Oh, do you want to write a testimonial for me? And I'm just like, what? what? So like crazy it, stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of the, um, the 3DO guys will definitely vibe with you, mm -hmm. um, on that level. And, uh, 
Oh, by the way, um, before I get to that, everybody, uh, when he was talking about writing writing the book, you know, while his wife was pregnant with the daughter, at the very opening of, of the Minds Behind the Games, you know, dedication to my wife, Melissa, and my daughter, and my daughter, Josie. That's beautiful, my man. And that's, that's keeping that spirit alive and keeping it moving. I love that. Thank you. I mean, that's, at the end of the day, it's like, this is why I'm doing this stuff, you know? It's like... Uh... I want my my family to have more than than I had when I was a kid. You know, I want to have mm-hmm. a house one day. You know, like um, it's why I'm doing the comic book now. You know, it's just like why I'm doing all of this stuff. It's why I'm doing the voice acting now. It's just like I want to. I want my children because I have a son now. That's a year old. It's like yes. I want my I want my kids to look at me and be like, how the hell did he do all that stuff? And then I'm gonna go. I'm not Superman. I'm just this regular person. And guess what? You can do it too. You know, like I, I want, I want my two kids to be ass kickers. I don't want them yeah. to take any crap from anybody. And it's like, how can you teach somebody to be a certain way if you can't be that way yourself? You know, De- so, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, Joshua Moreno design. He's going to be on tomorrow. Um, I think you, you two have a kind of similar vibe. Uh, so if you're not hey, following Josh. each other, yeah, I will do that. Absolutely. Um, but I was saying 3DO, it was interesting when I was there, um, they had this, you know, 3DO's uh, work ethic was like, Hey, let's make things simple, uh, fun and try to get out a lot of product and a lot of, uh, a lot of content quickly, a different strategy than a lot of other people were doing. I think they were trying to bring the casual game brand or style to mm-hmm. consoles and, you know, it worked to varying degrees. Right. Sure. But I learned so much from them and one of the things in their culture you know you mentioned howard was easy to talk to michael's easy to talk to that was one of the rare companies where i could just at my desk i would say i would stand up and say hey how do i do this um i'm i'm working on johnny mosley and i can't get this effect to play right and howard would say go in howard would stand up and he's like is such and such here. Yeah. Go talk to Simon. And you know, it's, it's this crazy, it was this crazy open and flowing kind of environment. And if I had a problem with something, you know, it was just an immediate, you know, you pick up the phone, are you at your desk? Yeah. I'll be over there in five minutes. Uh, you know, get ready to talk about X, Y, and Z. And we go over there and talk about it. We're not scheduling meetings. We're not like, you know, overly planning things out but they just had this kind of speed and openness that like when I got the email from you, I think I was just like, uh, yeah, sure. We'll do it. And if I change my mind, I'll just say no later. And you know, it wasn't a big kind of thing. Yeah. And I got that from 3DO and I was so glad to meet a bunch of people that were on that vibe. So yeah, those people, you know, still exist and there's still places where they, they push. Um, I don't know if you you're on uh, if Steve Woida is on your radar. I've been to he's in your he's in your shooter book. Okay, yeah, I remember I we uh, talked about him. It d- totally missed him in the shooter book. They haven't gone yeah. through everything. So many good yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he uh, he has so many. He's one of those guys who has a lot of these ideas, you know, where he's just kind of sitting around. We'd be sitting around at lunch, and he's kind of chuckling, like, you know, it'd really be badass if we did this, this, and this, and Everybody likes to say that, but he's one of those characters that if he says it, he's already thought about it to a massive degree. And you mm-hmm. kind of have to look at him like, what are you up to, guy? 
Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. He and he gave me for Quad Run on the it's Quad Run. Of course. I'm sorry. He is in the book. That's I okay. totally remember now. I'm, yeah. I'm very. I'm very tired. But yes, that's okay. The that chapter, he just gave me so much. Not only on his intro into the industry, which was super mm-hmm. interesting because the industry was still being formed at the time when he was getting involved, but how he was able to like he's a freaking mad scientist. How he got the 2600 yeah. to do all the stuff that he got it to do for Quad Run, and that's a game that's so underappreciated yeah. because it was made in such small such a small batch yeah. so yeah he's one of those guys that you're just like man he's smart and it, the only place that i've ever worked that i felt like that was mm-hmm. nbc i was an editor at nbc okay. for like almost three years and i covered two super bowls and a presidential election and two olympics and like it was so kick-ass like i i was the overnight uh editor so like friday night saturday and sunday so mm-hmm. it was like all the wrestling events, all of the boxing events, NFL, football, Saturday Night Live. I covered two and a half seasons of Saturday Night Live. So it was just like I was totally like in my element. Like Whitney, when the night Whitney Houston died, I was the editor. Like that was right, right. And like I remember on my 30th birthday, my wife, who was my fiance at the time, she snuck up. I snuck her up into 30 Rock. And um, she brought like two pieces of cake and we celebrated my 30th birthday. They wouldn't give me off on my birthday. Yeah, and um, yeah. it, when it was slow, I used to play Pokemon. You know, it was like when it was slow and nothing was going on, I was playing Pokemon. So my, my wife was like, this is what you do. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of just like literally stick my legs out the window of 30 Rockefeller Center <laughs> and just chill out. And then all of a sudden it was like, dun, 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 like the verdict for the Trayvon Martin murder cases in yeah and it was just like boom 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 i was on the phone with like four people and like i did it was like my wife wasn't even there and she was just like holy crap like that got like that one from like zero but it was like if i needed anything and i called this person i called that person dick belsky yeah. dan, dan mock they always had answers for me and i was able to do so much cool stuff there like the only reason why i left really is because i got a full-time job you know, teaching college that like had tenure and stuff like that. But it was just like, that was such a fun place to work. Like, yeah, because you had that you were given the tools to kick ass and you were surrounded by people that knew how to kick ass. So yeah. it was just like the sky was like the limit there. It was just so much fun. So I totally feel you. Yeah. You know what? And that sounds like, uh, that sounds kind of like what Rockstar was for me, you know, in a place that was, you know, they worked hard. Um, and, you know, people, uh, people talk about how, you know, Dan Hauser mentioned, you know, working, you know, crazy hours. He wasn't talking about like banging on employees. He was like, no, 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 this is, there are people who only work, you know, their 40 hours and they're done. They do their thing. There are plenty of people like that there, but at Rockstar, they kind of left this, okay, here's the basics and anything outside of that. You can do if you want, you know, and from Dan Hauser to Sam Hauser to Leslie Benzies to, um, you know, all the all the head guys there, they were on all the time. And it gave you this sense of, wow, if I sounds cliche, if I apply myself, I could do great things, you know, because they just kind of let you, hey, you want to go try something out? They would never say no. They're like, uh, we'll have a we'll have a, somebody here over the weekend, so you can come in, 
try something out, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our extremely, we have our limited basic lane that you stay in, but you have access to all the research. You have access to all these computers, go do what you want. So that's where a lot of people got into the, you know, working hard thing at Rockstar, but it was a, it was a more freeing environment for people who had the, had energy and wanted to put it to something. Absolutely. NBC was the same kind of way. Like I remember during um, Hurricane Sandy, um, Mm -hmm. I had to go in because they didn't have anybody and we didn't have any electricity in my house. I had to send my wife to like her aunt's house and um, I could have stayed home, but it was like, it's NBC, man. Like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it would just be, it would be silly stuff. Like I remember um, Bieber was uh, on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in my cubicle and my boss comes over to me. He's like, why don't you write an article about Bieber being on SNL? Meaning just sit at my table, my cubicle mm-hmm. and, and write an article. And I was like, well, if you look out the window, bro, it's raining. And there are about 500 teenage girls that have been sleeping in tents to go see Justin Bieber. Give me a camera. I want to go downstairs. I want to hang out in the tent yeah. for a little while. And they were like, that you really want to do that? I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I did. And I wrote a nice little article and then like we got good traffic, but then Buzzfeed took, uh, took my photos and reposted them. And then it was just like the article like blew up. And I was just like, if I was at another newspaper or another publication, they might not have like embraced that NBC. They were like, go, go do it, go do it. And I, I'll never forget, yeah. like sticking my head in like somebody's tent you know, being like, oh, I'm from NBC. Can I talk to you for a second? You know, just like I loved that type of like atmosphere where it was like we have all of the technology that you need, anything that you need, mm-hmm. you can do it. And then, you, I mean, you again, you said it like if you wanted to work your hours and go home, you could do that. But it was just like I think the reason why I loved NBC so much is like I knew that I could get Wally pipped at any second. And if you guys don't know who Wally Pipp is, it's like he was this all-star baseball player for the Yankees. Hmm, okay. And um, he felt sick one day. And he told the Yankees manager to take him out of the game. And the guy that replaced him was the iron horse, Lou Gehrig. He's like one of the greatest players of all time. And Wally Pipp yeah. really never played for the Yankees again. So it was just like, you know, I wanted to make sure while I was at NBC that like there were nights when I was throwing up at my, at my desk and I was just like, just keep typing. You know, there were nights that I was arguing, you know, with my parents over something or fighting with somebody over something. And it was just like, I had to block it all out and get my stuff done. And I, in two and a half years, I mean, I wrote like over, like it was like a four day a week job. And I I wrote like close to 2000 articles. So it was just like, I had an insane like yeah. amount of work. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I remember the last day that I left, I, w- I was outside 30 Rock and they have like the NBC logo on the wall and I just like rubbed mm-hmm. it. Like, like, thank you. It was like a horse, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, thank you, you know? So that's something that I'll like, I'll never forget. But it's just like when I left NBC, I tried to carry that work ethic with me to teaching. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that it failed miserably, but. Um, well, you find the- different obstacles, right? Yeah. Academia is just completely different. You know, um, I've had to like kind of tone myself down academically. Um, cause I can't be that bull of fire 
all the time. You know, it's like intimidating. It intimidates people that are older. It intimidates people that are younger. So it's like I've kind of had to like pick my spots a little bit, but I can use that fire when I'm writing my books. When I do voiceover and I turn over quality voiceover the same day, you know, and yeah. how I could I could bang out a script for a comic book like, you know, in a couple of days, and somebody goes, "How the hell did you write this? You got two kids, yeah. blah, blah blah blah." You know, so just like, I'll never forget NBC for like instilling that like, let's kick some ass, like you know, mentality. So. Yeah, I'll tell you a crazy story. Um, but before I do that, the I, I wanted to say this is. This is golden stuff because it touches on the thesis of my, you know, I don't know if you've heard me mention, you know, the ADD experience. That's what I'm pushing out. It's the art design and development experience. And that experience is a creative one where you build your own environment. You know, another cliche thing that, you know, just works is you know, be the change that you want to see, you know, and if you want to see things around you change, you put out that energy, you start creating and some forces get with you, some forces don't, and it's fine. But once you start getting in that creative zone and and you've definitely tapped into it, you know, I'm not even going to guess, you know, or ask, you've definitely tapped into that. Well, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Um, you know, you started, uh, you said you started Condry like years ago and finally 20 it's years happened. Ago. Yeah. 20, 20 years ago. People don't hear those stories. I mean, they hear those stories, but it doesn't connect with them until they've started to vibe with their energy, you know? So um, let us know a little bit about that 20, that 20 year journey uh, for Condry. And you've got the, the background behind you, right? Yeah, my yeah. wife just bought this for me um, awesome. for, for comic book day. She's freaking awesome. Um, I mean, Condry started off as um, I was an 18-year-old kid that loved comic books. Um, I had just gotten in a serious car accident. Um, I compressed three vertebrae in my neck. Um, I herniated a bunch of discs in my back. And um, I'm six foot four. I was like 225 pounds at the time. I wanted to try and like walk on like a a division two like college hockey program that was like that was what i really wanted to do i loved hockey i the sport the history of the sport like that's like that's something that i i I really wanted to do and then i got in this car accident and um couldn't do it anymore so um for like a good year i just i stayed home i read um i was in a couple of bands um i had a lot of fun I had more fun probably in that year, despite like all the, you know, I was going to physical therapy four times, three, four times a week, but like I had more fun than I had had like ever in my entire life. Like just taking the train to like the West Village and going to like St. Mark's Comics and going to Midtown Comics in the city and going to Bulletproof Comics and going to Galaxy Comics and going to all these comic book stores and just reading stuff. Like I read pretty much like the first like 400 issues of amazing spider-man and i got into like punisher and i got into spawn and i really like understood why i loved batman and wolverine as characters not just because of their awesome like designs and stuff so then i just got to the point where i was just like i can write a comic and um i wrote storyboards for like 10 issues of Condry, and um i just was like oh i'm gonna find an artist and this was like aol days you know (laughs) And um, I originally, this guy that was in a band with me was like, oh, I have a great artist. He's a friend, blah, blah, blah. And he just like flaked out on me. He just like never gave me anything and just like disappeared. 
So then I ended up shelving it and uh, started college. Then when I was in college, I met another guy and I was just like, do you think you could do this? And then he flaked out on me. So then I ended up working at the college newspaper and getting internships and becoming editor in chief of the school newspaper. And now all of a sudden I'm a journalist. Now the comic book is kind of like on the back burner. But it's like I every like two years or so, I would just tighten the narrative a little bit more and just keep tightening and keep, you know, playing with it and like never forgetting the characters and never forgetting that like one day I wanted to do something with this. And um, I would say probably like eight years ago, um, I found this amazing artist, like photorealistic, like stuff, like just mm -hmm. this guy is amazing. And um, we ended up having a meeting and sitting down. He's like, I could totally do this. And then he sent me some sketches and I was just like, this is beautiful. And then he just like, kind of like disappeared. And I'm just like, is this ever gonna get done? Yeah. And I was just like, you know what, let's just focus on journalism, you know, and that was going well for me and teaching was going well for me and stuff, but it just like, there was always that like, what if kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I have to say, and um, this, is, this is not me like kissing your ass and this is not me kissing like all the video game developers that I've interviewed asses, but it's just like, the minds behind the games made Convery possible because okay. when I'm spending all of this time interviewing amazing people that have made amazing things, that that's a motivating factor, you know? And I remember um, I interviewed Craig Broadbook, uh, Bre Craig uh, Broadbooks, who did all the NHL face-off games for the PS1 and PS2, and those are some of my, like, favorite hockey games of all yeah. time. That was and a good section. The, I like that one. Yeah, thank you. Um, but one of the things that he said um, was be a finisher. Sometimes you're not going to put out your best stuff, but put it out because there's so many people out there that are just like, oh, well, I have this idea and I have that idea. It's like what you're talking about with Steve, where you knew if Steve said something, he was working on it already. But there's yeah. so many people out there that are just like, and I've met over the last, like, you know, I've been writing for like 15 years now. I've met so many people that are like, I want to start a magazine and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I've always been the person that's like, no, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, I would say probably like two years ago, um, probably like the summer of, of 2019, I sent a message on Facebook and I was just like, I need an artist. I'm done. I, I want to, I want, I want an artist. And my friend Tommy was like, I had this guy, Kieran, he would be perfect for you. And I'm going to have a house party in like, you know, a couple of weeks and he's going to come over and, you know, you could meet him. Hi, PR Wolf 25. Um, and I met Kieran and I hadn't seen any of his art, but I just liked him. Yeah. Like he was my kind of guy, you know? And um, I, <laughs> I love friend. that phrase. You know? Like he's a, he was a Pat Hickey guy, yeah. you know? Um, and I met his fiance and like, I remember he went to the bathroom and his fiance is like, if you give him an opportunity to do this, he's not going to let you down. Like he's talented. He needs a push, but I believe in him. And I could see in her eyes that she was 100% serious. So like I ended up going home, I sent him the script and within like a month we had a six page ash can done. Yeah. like a six page short story, which became Conjury Zero. And um, he's amazing, you know? But then what happened was uh, COVID started to happen and we started pitching to like Image and Dark Horse and 
uh, and a couple of other comic book companies. And they either rejected us or they said, like, we're not hiring anyone new right now. We're not investing in any new IPs because of, like, COVID, you know? Right. And I'm just like, shit. So then um, I ended up getting contacted by uh, Mark Burnell from Lesser Known Comics. And okay. um, he wanted me to interview him for my site, reviewfix.com, which I've had for like 11 years. There's over 22,000 articles on there. I've interviewed everyone from like Philip Seymour Hoffman, Scott Whalen, Ultimate yeah. Warrior on there. Like it's my, it's one of my babies. I love that site. I own it. So whenever I see somebody that I get pitched, people ask me to interview them every day, every day. Um, indie musicians, indie playwrights, all, all sorts of people. And I love to interview people for the first time. Right. So it's just like I, I Google this guy and I'm just like, there's he's like a ghost on the web. There's nothing there. So I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'll interview you. I interview him. Um, Q&A goes well, gets good traffic. And then he's like, oh, if there's ever anything that I can do for you. And I was just like, no, nah, you know, don't worry. This is like, you know, this is what I do. You know, I'm a journalist, you know, no problem. Yeah. And then like a couple of minutes go by and I'm like, you want to see something? <laughs> And um, like an hour later, he's just like, yeah, we need to get into business. And uh, like a month went by and then Kieran and I were on board and we've been with lesser known since February. And um, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been awesome. And I have so many goals for the comic and it's just like, just to see it. Cause I mean, I could have totally self published with Kieran, yeah. you know, we could have totally. And my whole thing is just like, as a writer, I feel like you're not a real writer unless someone is willing to take a chance on you. Um, and also too, if you're willing to take, to be exploited for royalties, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, like, um, yeah. it's like part of the process. So it's just like for somebody to invest in us, um, was great. So it was like dream deferred, you know, the comic is, the comic is published. So it's just like, I felt like I lived up to my own expectations and I wouldn't have that, like that regret, like, what if this comic book came out? How would people, right, you know, right. so it's just like that's done. So now my next goal is to get all of those storyboards that I wrote when I was 18, obviously modified now because I think I'm a far better writer than I was when I was 18. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get all of those out and then continue to add on to the story. So it's just like accomplish the first goal on to the next, you know, and it's just like, it's been so crazy. Like the reception for the comic, like I got, <laughs> I got messaged the other night from uh, a friend of a friend and uh, this, this is a woman that's like, she's not really like a comic book reader. And she was just like, I can't believe Sarita shot Condry. Oh my God. Like, I did not expect that. Like, she's talking about Condry 1, the end of Condry yeah. 1. She's like, I can't believe like that happened. Like, what's next? And I'm like, just hold on because issue two is coming in a couple of weeks. And I was just like, right, right. This is great. Oh my God. You know, so it's just been from, from some 18 year old with really long hair to, a 38-year-old who's a dad and a husband and a college professor and stuff like that. It's just like it's it's been insane how it all happened. Yeah, it's uh, and at some point you give yourself over to the the energy. I call it like you know you're sailing. You know, at at, at a certain level, you're riding the waves. <clears throat> you're um you're flowing with the waves of the ocean. You're you're going your own path, but yeah there's definitely waves of force of, you know, the winds, the water and everything that you're going with. And I used to, I used to think that it was, you know, I had to do everything, you know, I had to plot every course, you know, but 
now I'm like, no, if, if the energy says, you know, go this way and do that, you know, see where it takes you, you know, it's, it's, it's not messing up my morals or whatever. Um, how have there, and actually, let me ask you, um, do I have you for another half hour or, okay. Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. just check. You have me as long as you want me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I usually run these to about an hour, but, uh, sure. Certain people will go longer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and definitely, I want to thank everybody uh, while we're here. You know, FNA Online, PR Wolf, the Artist Dojo, you know, Dogo Seven Twelve. Everybody who's coming through, awesome. Love the love the feedback. Um, please drop anything in the comments. Uh, we might pick up on it. We might not, but you know, we love you either way, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um. So you know, um, we talked about when you were you know, at NBC doing your thing and you were in the academic era and you had that um, situation, you know, where you were kind of like, you know, someone pushed you and you pushed back basically like, well, I'll write a book. And it's like, boom, well, we do this. I was talking with a business person that had uh, Theo from the Show Versus Business podcast. I was talking with him earlier in the week and he's not a creative or an artist like I am, but he was very clear and was like, he's like, yeah, I don't, I really don't work with creatives or I don't understand creatives that don't have any constraints or they don't have any um, adversities that they're trying to break through. He's like, I don't understand those artists. And that was weird coming from a business person. I was like, interesting that he picks up on, good creativity coming from constraints and adversities. So have you, you know, have, how have you realized that in your journey, the, the adversities, the constraints, the, the seemingly, you know, oppressive forces that lead you to really put your stuff out there? It's, it's funny that you say that because it's like, I could kind of like connect all of my like turns in, a different direction like mm -hmm. the moments the moments where like to make a gaming reference the moments where i like really leveled up yeah was when somebody tested me or when somebody said something or when i realized something about somebody you know or when i realized something about myself like i remember at nbc the first year that i was there i did whatever they told me i was like the company guy and i was miserable and I remember I was in the bathroom and um, my editor was like in the stall next to me. And I'm just like, bro, I'm miserable. I'm like, I don't want to be here. And he's like, what? What? And I'm just like, I, I want to write about video games. I want to write about sports. And he was just like, so what do you want to write about? And I was just like, well, I got an email like 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm like, there's a game coming out for the PS3 probably going to be like one of the last great games on the ps3 it's called the last of us it's in development right now and i'm like um it's not going to come out for like another eight months and i'm like i i can go down the block they're in a hotel room right now demoing the game i'm like i want to interview the team i want to write an article about it and he was like okay go and i was just like i was scared shitless no no pun intended in the bathroom stall i was scared shitless um <laughs> you know because i'm just like I'm taking a huge risk here because I'm making really good money. I'm paying for my wedding with this money, you know, because I was already teaching full time. And then I would come mm -hmm. into NBC three or four days a week to make money to I pay see, for I my see. wedding. 
And I was doing, I mean, it was a part-time job, but it's just like, I absolutely adored it. But at the same time too, the first year, I just, I was scared to like really be myself. Like I would wear a suit and tie all the time. And that's not me either. You know, like I want to wear a football jersey. I want to wear a band tee, you know, um, and jeans and stuff like that. And then it was just like, after I started writing that, that Last of Us article was one of the best things that I wrote for NBC. And then after that, um, I was lucky because in the hotel room, they were also demoing God of War Ascension. So I interviewed those guys too. And then it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And now they just, they gave me free reign. And then it was just like, oh, you should cover SNL. Oh, you love football too. You love hockey. Why don't you have a fantasy football column? So it was like, that was one point where I like stood up for myself. Yeah. And I was, I was then able to do the things that I wanted at, at like at work um, in academia. Like I've been teaching for 15 years. Yeah. I have, I have my CCE, which is like tenure, you know, and, but I'm only 38 and it's like before COVID, I was still confused for a student. I would come onto campus and they would go uh, at like 5.30 in the morning. My class wasn't until eight. So I could write and I, so I could jog around, you know, campus and stuff like that. And they would be like, no, no, we don't, we're not going to let any students in here. And I'm just like, I've been teaching here for 13 years. Like I'm, I'm a full-time professor. And they're like, oh, let's see your ID. And it was just like all the time it would happen. And um, so it just like, I would have to like work really hard to get people to take me seriously because I looked young, despite the fact mm-hmm. that I had been there for so long. And um, it's still like to this day, like people, like when I tell people that I have books in Harvard's library, in Yale, in Stanford, in Michigan, in UCLA, in Simon Fraser University, in the University of Shanghai and stuff like that, they're like, oh, that's great. What are your books about? And I'm like, video game history. And they go, Oh, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, yeah. it's like, it's, it's stuff like that, you know? So it's just like, even though like I've done really cool things, I have like a niche audience that super appreciates me, but then I have a whole bunch of like a whole nother cross section of, of society that'll never take me seriously, you know? So it's just like, that's like something that I grapple with a lot, but then at the same time too, like I said, 38 years old, comic book, voice actor, the books, like teaching and stuff like that. So it's just like every time somebody tests me mm-hmm. I, and I feel like I have to rise to the next occasion, like rise to the level I feel like that I have so far. And um, I mean, I told, I said this on a podcast before. I said like throughout my entire life, I've never been anyone's first choice for anything. Yeah. But I'm it's, always their best choice. It's actually kind of, it's actually kind of liberating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's just like, I hate to tell people I told them so. Mm-hmm. So I just have to give them like the De Niro look. When I do something that I said that I was going to do and you didn't believe me, I could just go. And they know. And they're just like, you know what? Yep. He did yeah. it. He said he was going to do it and he did it. You know, so it's just like, it's, it's, it's liberating. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's liberating. You know, it's just like when I did, when I first did the Padre, the voiceover for the Padre, everyone was like, oh, that was really cool. And I was just like, yeah, man, like I starred in a video game. Oh my God, that was so much fun. But then I said to myself, I got to do another game because I don't want to be like Ace of Base, you know, like I don't want to (laughs) be like a one hit, a one hit wonder, you know, like I want to, I want to like have a body of work. I want to connect with as many people as possible. So it's just like, that's the hard part too, but that's liberating too. When something else comes out and you could show people like, yeah, I'm more than like a one trick pony. So it's just like, I love, I love that adversity. I love when somebody, you know, 
says something mean or something snarky or says something stupid and you could just go, okay. And then you could, you don't have to get vindictive. You don't have to get nasty. You can, you just do what you do. It's like, I'll give you another perfect example. So like, um, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and, um, it was one of those artists that flaked out on me. Okay. And I sent them the comic and I said, I did it. I told you that I was going to do it and I did it. And I didn't mean it in a nasty way. And he was like, oh my God, like check it off your bucket list. That's so awesome. I'm so proud of you, blah, blah. Because we're old childhood friends. Okay, okay. And and then I said, you want to do a variant cover for me? And he goes, absolutely. So my whole thing is, is like, I don't hold grudges. Yeah. I don't burn, I don't burn bridges. It's just like, I want to give as many opportunities as I get. And it's just like, this guy is a great artist. And yeah. He may not be the guy that's like destined to do my series because Kieran Quinn is. Yeah. He's the man. I love his work. But this guy could do a slam and cover. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's just like that's what it's about. It, you know, it's it's interesting. Um I've uh at some point I started talking to uh some woo-woo people and you know I <laughs> I'm not knocking it, but that's what they call themselves. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine and she was like, you know, yeah, you want to talk woo woo? And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, But, you know, I've always been a spiritual person, but she really kind of, you know, brought it out and was like, hey, we can do this. Da 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 da. Do you want to talk to my friend who does tarot? I'm like, okay, let's take it one step at a time. I just want to find out what what you're about. Um, And remember, I I come from a, a... computer science background sure. so I'm, I'm on a different kind of wavelength mm-hmm. and i started reacting I, I started figuring out like oh a lot of what she's talking about it's not like it doesn't make sense it's just coming from another direction mm-hmm. and when i when i started like looking at a lot of the different energies that were around me and i just mean what people are trying to do in their lives what they're putting out um I realized that I was getting mad at a lot of stuff for quote unquote disrupting my energy, but that really wasn't what was happening. Um, so like you were saying, you know, you talked with this guy, a uh, childhood friend and it's like, Hey, you want to do a variant cover or whatever. You just kept your energy going for whatever reason. It didn't match up in the beginning or the outset or the way you expected. But lately it's, I found that like it's so much faster and so much more efficient when you take these so-called adversities, so-called constraints, um, limitation, people saying, you know, like, hey, he can't do it or naysayers like, well, maybe you should just stick to whatever. Wherever it's coming from, you can use that to your advantage. Because um, when I was a... You know, talking about about naysayers, no one, a lot of people just don't want you to get hurt or, you know, they don't comprehend it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was spending all my energy fighting these people. Absolutely. And at one point, like when I was on table tennis, that's, I was on like all the time. Um, Rockstar Games table tennis was a turning point for me. And I was basically... I, I made a deal with the um, with one of the people at work where I could expense off certain things. I started expensing off my laundry 
there's a there was a Walmart on the way to work. I started expensing my socks. I started just expensing random stuff. And the amount of money that I was spending wasn't high, but it was just like, um, you know, HR would be like, why are you buying socks? And it's like, listen, I'm walking around the studio all day. Sometimes I take off my shoes. I, you know, if I if you buy me socks, I just feel better about working. You know, that's how I was. That's how on I was where any little disruption, you know, where it's like I have holes in my socks or they're dirty, I'm running out of whatever, any little disruption would bother me. And if I felt the company was on my side, then I could just keep working, right? Mm -hmm. So I asked, can I expense socks? And they're like, excuse me? I want, I want to buy a bunch of socks, and, you know, walk around outside, you know, indoors or whatever, change them, throw them away, put on new socks, keep going. But, um, but I, I say, I say that kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's just a weird little thing that happened. And, you know, I say that to say like, if you're not, um, you know, I know a lot of creatives are here in the, in the chat. If you're not finding a way to keep your energy flowing, you're, probably damaging yourself in some way absolutely like i feel like um what i've experienced a lot in my life is that people that are in control people that have power you mean like bosses or sure, management? Yeah. management okay bosses upper upper management people that aren't creative but get to make the decisions that affect the creatives mm -hmm. they like to think that they're creative so what you have to do is you have to be creative in how you deal with them. So sometimes you have to make them think that they came up with the idea that you came up with that they would never approve by themselves, you know? So just like yep. that happens to me all the time where I just say to myself, okay, I want to do this, but how do I make so-and-so think that it was their idea, you know, or I'll just yeah. drop a seed in somebody to see if they do something. And if they do it, then I'm just like, they get it they have good energy, they want to create, you know, so just like, to me, sometimes that's exhausting. Um, and I feel so bad for my wife sometimes, because like, I'll explain stuff to her, like, oh, you know, this is going on, and then da, 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 da. And she's just like, well, just say this, like, my wife is awesome, where she's just like, point A to point B, she'll be like, well, you want to do this, so just tell them. And I'm just like, can't do it like that. Gotta like, da, 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 da. So it's just like, I spend a lot of energy trying to get people to do the things that need to get done and they're like either too ignorant or too short-sighted to see and i think that sucks but it's also really cool at the same time when you know that like behind the scenes you were the person that like initiated something really cool to get done and that you'll yeah. never get credit for it but you were the person that like head started something so so yeah i totally i totally get it yeah and and the credit will come in in surprising ways mm -hmm. um I actually, when I said I was on all the time, I actually was doing so much at, uh, you know, with the table tennis stuff that I ended up like really learning a lot about table tennis. And I was talking yeah. to the animators and um, the programmers. It's like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, if the guy is taking a step to the right and the shot, the ball bounces a different way your trajectory is going to be way different when you try to return it. And we started getting into the crazy, you yeah. know, depths uh -huh. of the physics of the ball and the way the human yep. body moves. And I got so deep in that area that towards the end of the game, I got sent a, a message to 
you know, hey, you need to review the credits on the game to make sure that, and everybody does that, you know, it's like um, the lead designer, the programmer, it's like, hey, review the credits to make sure everything looks in order and it's how we want it to be presented. Sure. So I'm going through the credits. I have an animation credit in there. And I'm like, so I didn't want to like, well, I didn't. I don't want to like knock myself off the animation credits, you know, because that's kind of cool. But <laughs> you know, I don't want to like say, "Excuse me, sir, I don't belong here. Please remove me." Um, but I wanted to make sure it was correct. So I had a conversation with uh, one of the the lead animators at Rockstar, not at Rockstar San Diego, at Rockstar mm -hmm. Corporate. And you know, he called me and he was like, "You know, yeah, you know, you uh, credit requests do." And that was all he would say. Yeah, I didn't want to get into any specifics Love about it. what I did here, there, or who I talked to. But I was like, yeah. okay. I yeah. totally didn't expect it. But once I landed that credit, all of the animators who were like a mob, basically, all of the animators in the company and the studio were like, hey, man, thanks for what you did. You know, um, you got the credit here for this and that. And I was like welcomed into a new group. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So, yeah, when the credit, as the adversities come where you don't expect it, so will the good. So I didn't want to make it seem all bad uh, when we were talking about that before. Um, tax Collector said, Conjury looks really cool, and I like a lot of your IG posts. Awesome. Well, He's awesome. Some, yeah. Tax Collector is awesome. 1202 Solana Spa. I've seen you around here before. Thanks for coming back through. Demahu, this is the Z Day Spawn Comics from Bogota, Colombia. Awesome. Um, you know what? This little this little interruption right here that I just did. This is why I kind of connected with Instagram Live. Absolutely. You know, it was it was doing different things um, that sure. that other social platforms weren't doing. So I Absolutely. love that. We just had um, another person, um, FNA Gaming. That's actually Mark Lundbeck. He is a writer okay. on Mut Mutant Football League. So <laughs> nice. he's mega cool. And then um, the artist Dojo is my buddy Afram, who is an amazing actor and writer. So it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, man, crazy people are popping into here. This is a lot of, this is really cool. Dima, who is one of my students from like 10 years ago. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So yeah, if you don't catch the whole thing, uh, it'll be on the IGTV tab. I'm also, um, sure. I found a way to also kick this off to YouTube. So I'll save these nice. out. Um, yeah. And as I said in the post, I didn't like the way my website was going. So I'm going to rechange it, reformat it, and have all this much more organized because doing this once a night or multiple times a night, I'm building up a lot more content than I thought. So I need a website that will organize it properly. Absolutely. It'll all be awesome. And uh, yeah, you'll man. see. Absolutely. Uh, quick question. Um, sure. You mentioned jogging a while ago. How is that going? Uh, you know, staying on the physical side, not just writing and being behind the books and everything. Um, my wife is great at that. Like my wife makes sure that like we are out as a family, like walking mm -hmm. pretty much like every day, even in the heat. And like, sometimes I'll be in the house and I'll just be like, really like, rawr. I don't, I won't know what to do. And she's like, you mm -hmm. need to go for a walk for like an hour. And I'll just put on like a playlist on Spotify or even like the jerky boys or something like that. And I'll just go for it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, I'll be walking. It's like, I fell down the stairs and my shoes fell off and I'm laughing like a crazy person. But it's like, I'll get in, I'll get in like my, you know, 10, 15,000 steps and I'll come back and my kids will want to play. 
and then we'll put them to bed and then I'll be like, all right, I can bang out a chapter now and I can get some writing done. So it's just like, she's, she's definitely been like, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my wife, I would probably be like 400 pounds and I would probably have a lot of writing done still, but I would probably just be like this job of the hut looking, you know, disaster. Like she's totally like, you look, you look good, man. I'm trying, man. And that's the thing. It's like, it's an every, it's an everyday thing, you know? So just like, she, she totally like keeps me honest that way. So it's, uh, and that's the best thing too. It's like when you can look at yourself and like feel like, okay, I I can fit into the clothes that I want and stuff like that. And like, because I mean, I used to be a lot heavier. Like I used to be around you know three hundred eighty, three hundred ninety pounds, and now I'm like you know two fifty something. So I'm uh, I've come a long way. And uh, feeling good about yourself inside definitely helps you mentally. Definitely helps you be a little bit more creative. Um, definitely gives you like that extra you know, that extra incentive. And then too, yeah. with like kids, I mean, I would never want to be, I would never want my kids to be like, Oh, that's my dad. And be the one that has like no energy. You oh, know, yeah. like I wrestle with my kids every day. Like my daughter's four and she knows how to like, you know, hit a diamond cutter and a DDT and stuff <laughs> like that. Like we, Oh my God, like we have so yeah. much fun. And it's like, if I was heavier, I wouldn't be able to do that. And maybe, maybe I wouldn't be like as creative, you know? So just like, again, I go in my, man cave every day and my daughter knows what sonic looks like she knows yeah. you know like and it's like i've i've invited her into this world that i'm a part of so it's just like that all goes with being comfortable with yourself yeah physically it, and mentally you know it, it affects you um when i was at rockstar they had a um they brought in a masseuse right and the masseuse wasn't just there to massage people um the masseuse was actually like a wellness practitioner and yeah. you know the, that's awesome after like one or two sessions, you know, where they, there's a little banter beforehand and afterwards. And after like one or two sessions, I, I found out later that it was part of their job to promote wellness in us. So she, she would like, you know, Hey, so, you know, how you doing? You know, you stressed out and I, you, you feeling okay. I missed you last week or what's this about? And are you eating okay? Mm-hmm. And after a while I was like, well, Hey, you know, I mean, am I eating? Okay. You know, what does that have to do with you know, uh, d- come on, man. All we, all we eat, you know, Mountain Dew and pizza. Let's oh, go. Yeah. You know, because yeah. and um, once we got the wellness practitioner going, practitioner going on, she was like, no, no, no. We can, you can actually order different foods. You know, that's just like the standard that comes through. Mm-hmm. So we started ordering. Hey, can we get this? Can we get that? Um, can we get time to walk? Can we? Okay, instead of having the catered food on Tuesdays, on Tuesdays, you know that'll save us X amount of dollars. Can we get benefits at the gym instead? Mm-hmm. It became this whole thing. And it, you know, you don't think about that kind of corporate level awesomeness where they're trying to make you better people. Yeah. But once it's, I started seeing it, I was like, well, wait a minute, how can I change my diet? What can I eat? Oh, um, this type of food is not good when I'm trying to think through things. It's really weird. Absolutely. when you start realizing it, like, sure. I would eat, I was telling uh, somebody else, I, I got, I don't want to say depressed, but I got really upset in, in a funk and just needed to clear my mind. So I played like chess for eight hours, not straight, but eight hours in one day. Um, I looked at my phone and it told me, you've been playing chess for eight hours. I'm wow. like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like I was in a funk in my head and I was like, why am I not thinking clearly? And it was what I was eating. Absolutely. I was like, if I need to think in this type of way, I need to eat this type of way. 
if I'm going to do something physical in this type of way, I need to, you know, consume this, avoid that, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't I don't know how how you changed up your diet or what you eat to keep going or whatever, but I, I love protein. I drink mm-hmm. protein like like crazy. I I mean I drink a ton of coffee, but um I mean I love drinking protein like as a meal and like mixing stuff in with it, you know, like spinach and um, fruits and things like that. Like I, when I wake up in the morning, that's what I like to do. I like to get a protein drink and then mix in like a banana and a little bit of coffee and stuff like that. And that's like, you know, I try and take in like, you know, anywhere from 75 to 90 grams of protein a day. Um, I try and stay as far away from like garbage. I do, do not drink soda at all. Mm-hmm. I have not had soda in probably like eight or nine years. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, you know, so it's just like, yeah, absolutely. It's like what you put in is kind of like what you, what you get out. And it, it, that's the thing too. It's just like, I tell my, I used to tell my students this all the time that like, I would consider maybe like 2004, like my first real year as a writer, like getting published, getting paid yeah. for stuff. And it's just like, I remember it like December 31st, I like counted all the articles that I wrote, you know, like I, hi- I did like a control, like, you know, F and highlighted everything or control V and yeah. I'm like, Oh my God. So then it became like a ritual. And like every December 31st, I would see how many articles I wrote. And since then, I mean, it's always, I've always written, I've always wrote <laughs> written. I can't speak English. I've always wrote more yeah. like for the past 17 years. And I think like I've written, I've wrote, I can't speak English. I've wrote more the last like two or three years because I've really focused on taking care of myself. I think that's the, you know, that's the most important thing is like taking care of yourself. And it's just, it's just like little things. It's just like, I love to listen to new music that I've never listened to um, every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love to watch, I love wrestling. I love watching wrestling matches every day that I've never seen before. You know, like just it, exposing my mind to things that I've never seen before. But then at the same time too, after I've seen something that I've never seen before, going back to something that I've loved and seeing if my opinion changes, Yeah. you know, like things like that. I do that. I do that a lot. I reread things that I used to love when I was a kid and look at them now and go, or I go, Oh my God, like, this is, this is, this is why I connected with this so much. So just like that constant, yeah, yeah. that constant thinking. I mean, the last script of Condry that I wrote probably like three weeks ago, um, I dreamt the entire thing. Yeah. Like I, I woke up and I just wrote the entire dream out. And I was just like, this is like one of the best things that like I've ever written before. And it was just like, I, I, I take such good care of myself lately that like my mind is still working while I'm sleeping and it's working so well that like I can actually yeah. use some of that, you know? So mm-hmm. that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been the case. Like, five or six years ago, five or yeah. six years ago, when I went to bed, my body would just be like, you know, like just yeah, yeah. snoring, the, you know, like just ridiculous. So. Yeah. And that totally, um, also a tax collector, uh, the BMG era was awesome. I don't want to forget your comment there. Um, when we were, we were talking earlier, uh, much earlier about, let's see how, Oh, you're writing everywhere. Like, uh, you say you're writing on the bus, you're writing yeah. and you were going to, how did you do that? What were you writing on? Um, phone. Yeah. On the phone. phone? Okay. Do you have any on special app? No. No, just the notes on, mm-hmm. on the iPhone. And then um, what I would always do is when I would get off the bus, I would email it to myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to my office and I'd open up the email and I'd throw the email in Microsoft Word. 
do a spell check, tighten it up, maybe throw it through Grammarly after that. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing. Um, I remember when I first started writing, like, I needed my laptop, you know? And now it's just, like, iPhones are so amazing. And I remember, like, before the iPhone, I had the BlackBerry, which I love, too, and I would just, just bang out stuff. And, like, yeah. with the BlackBerry, I would just open up a new email, and I would write an article, like, in an yeah. email, you know? So it's just, like, I'm... I'm old school, like DIY, like yeah, yeah. all I need, all I need is my phone, you know, um, before, before I had a phone, I would always have like a, a journal or whatever. And I mm-hmm. would, I would write stuff by hand, but then that would take so much time to, you know, bring it back and type it up. So now it's just like, now I just type everything. Yeah. So, so I agree with you there. The, the, the voice memos and the, um, and the notes applications have been, have awesome. been just excellent for me. Awesome. Yep. And uh, transcribing with audio, once I once I got over the people kind of, you know, looking over at me when yeah. I like, so there's a guy standing next to the, you know, and I'm describing a scene, and people are looking at me like, yo, he's talking about people standing next to him, and no one's there. Which they, you know, yeah, transcribing into notes. Um, I actually had to compartmentalize, like you said before, and I do all my writing writing in Evernote now. And I use um, the regular notes app for whatever else, like, hey, da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. notes are here, whatever. But it's weird just compartmentalizing. Every time I open up Evernote, I'm actually thinking about, okay, I'm going to write something. I'm going to plan something out. I'm going to this and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have the tools. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I remember when I was in high school, uh, I mean, I, we were poor. I, I didn't have a computer. Um and this is like 2000, 2001, my family couldn't afford a computer. And I had an old school, like, I love Lucy, like typewriter, and I would type everything. And um, it just made writing so miserable for me. I didn't, I didn't like to write, um, even though I wanted to, because I was, I was an avid reader, I loved to read. And it wasn't until I got like my first, like, I bought like a Hewlett Packard, like, uh, computer at like Best Buy. I, grossly overpaid for it it probably had like 64 gigs of hard drive space it probably had like two gigs of ram like it was uh, no it had like 512 megabytes of ram or something like that like what a disaster Mm -hmm. but it had microsoft word and that's what i wrote the original script for Condry on all i needed was microsoft word and it was like a whole new world aol dial up and microsoft word changed my life forever you know like so wild you know yeah, you you said uh oh I'll 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 uh jump to this first. Um Sure. So Artist Dojo says, any advice for new writers? Do it. Just do it. Um if you're a writer, you need to write. You know, um if a platform doesn't exist for you to express yourself on, create it. You know, just like I started Review Fix because um, I wanted to write about video games, comic books and stuff. And I had just graduated with my bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. in journalism and I didn't have a college paper to write for anymore. So I'm just like, I need to continue to write while I look for a job for a newspaper. Like I need new clips. I need to stay in the mix. I need to continue to do interviews. I need Mm -hmm. to stay sharp. So I spent the money. I created a website and then my friends started to be like, oh, what is this review fix? You're sharing links on Facebook and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's mine. And they're like, oh, can we write for you? And now I'm sending my friends to go cover plays in, in the city or I'm getting yeah. comics from Image and Dark Horse and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, can I review that? And I would send them the email and 
and now we've got over you know 20 something thousand articles on the site and it's just like if you're a writer you should be you should, you're like a punk rocker you're a diy yeah. you just just get it done get it done every single day you're going to make a ton of stupid mistakes but make the mistakes grow from them don't make the same mistake twice and just keep just keep going you know like right. that's that's my best advice just do it yeah. and like as Craig Broadbrook said, like, be a finisher. Like, if you're going to do something, do it. Don't make excuses. Don't, you know, don't be one of those people like, oh, I'm going to sit in Starbucks and I'm going to write the great American novel every day and sip on my Frappuccino and stuff. It's like, <laughs> get it done. You know, like when my wife was in labor with our, with my son, um, it was during COVID and I couldn't go in to triage with her like right away. We had to wait. So it was like, I'm sitting there and I'm just like super aggravated and I'm texting with her back and forth. And she's like, mm -hmm. you need to just relax. If I need you, I'll text you if you, when I'll text you when you could come in. And I'm just sitting there and I have my RG 350 with me, which is like this handheld emulator that could play like everything from like the Atari 2600 to the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. So I just started playing Parasite Eve. And then um, <laughs> the, the creative director of Parasite Eve emailed me back with the answers to my questions. Yeah. So I just started, while I'm in the waiting room for my son to be born, I wrote the Parasite Eve chapter for the Minds Behind PlayStation games. So it's just like, that's what a writer does, you yeah. know? Like, so it's just like, once you get past all of the, because there's so much sexiness around writing. It's the same thing, come on, Ben, with mm -hmm. video game developers. Oh, you're making a game, blah, blah, blah. And they don't see that, like, you're sleeping at your desk because you need to get shit done. And you're going to yeah. take, like, a 45-minute nap and stuff like that they don't see like the struggle you know they don't they don't see all of that so it's just like you've got to just be in it like it, it's like being married to some to something that will never love you as much as you love it but you're okay with that you know like that's what to me that's like what writing is yeah i mean i that, I, that, that makes total sense to me um you know uh and and, and writing writing is funny um and i'll you know, let me know if I if I'm off base with this, but finding your 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 inlets and your outlets. You know, where are the things coming into you that that inspire you to write, that move you to write, that cause you to stop and scratch your head and think about something, you know, writing worthy. Um, maybe you get that from you know watching old old television shows. Maybe you get that from listening to people at your neighborhood Walmart or convenience store. You know, it, you're, it could come from anywhere, wherever you get that. And, you know, your outlets, you know, maybe you like to write on the phone. Maybe you like to carry around a notebook. Maybe you, I had so many different notebooks that I was trying to, you know, I was like, why do I like writing in this one better than this one or whatever? And, you know, now, like, if you ever catch me looking down, I'm usually taking notes in my little 99 cent store notebook here. Mm -hmm. They're five and a half inch by five and a half, you know, they're, they're half a page size normally, and they just fit right here on my desk, just right. And yeah, I found the right kind of pen. I like these little zebra. I mean, not the zebra, the the Pilot G twos. You know, and yeah. they just they just work for me with the paper. And it's like, yeah, this is my little way of doing that. This is my way of doing that. And getting to an, a flow of where you're just putting out the content and you're not held back by any nonsense. If you don't like Microsoft Word, try Google Docs. If you don't like Google Docs, you may get super heady and go for Scrivener if you want. You know what I mean? See, like, I use TextEdit, which is so, like, vanilla. There you go. 
it takes up no like ram on your computer like yeah. it is just like so bare bones yeah and it's just like it just works for me you know? someone someone uh like laughed at me in one of those condescending he's weird kind of laughs when i said i have to use um this very simple program because those microseconds of lag when i'm just trying to type hit enter five times and start a new sec i was like those microseconds of lag annoy me and if i have something like text edit or whatever else it won't have that lag and you know it just it just works better for me in that case and they're like oh, she's so weird microseconds of lag what are you talking about be patient i'm like mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. You know, you're not in the zone. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, though, too. I think that's like some some good advice. Like some people are never going to get what you do, and that's okay. You know, um, like I said, I mean, I have I have books, like in colleges that I will that I wouldn't even be able to afford to go to, ever in my entire life. You know, and I have books in countries that I'll never be able to afford to fly to, you know, but somebody in those countries, somebody in those colleges is appreciating it in one way or another, because that's why, you know, that's why they, that's why they bought the book. That's why they invested in me. So I think that's always the challenge, like keep doing what you're doing, love what you do, and you're going to find amazing people to invest in you. Yeah. And it could be the smallest thing, you know, it's just like perfect example right here, this table runner that I got that I hang that I hung over here, like, my wife's not a comic book reader, you know, she doesn't play video games, but she loves me and she invests in me yeah. because she sees how hard I work. So that's the thing. It's just like, if you work hard enough and you, you preach like passion and you have patience, it's going to come to you eventually. And it's like, I tell my students all the time, all the people that I know that are unsuccessful in like the career paths that they took, Mm -hmm. it's because they quit you know there have been so many times like i remember when i was in graduate school i would go to graduate school all day and then i would come home for like five seconds and then go teach at night teach college at night and um there would be so many times i was at Times square and the train would be coming and i was so exhausted that i was just like like practically falling asleep as the train was coming down, down the, you know, the, yeah. and um, I'm just like, Oh my God, can I do this? And I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I can, but I, I'm not giving up. I'm going to see it through. I'm going to do everything that I have to do. And that, I mean, that was 2010, that was 2011. That was 10 years ago. And I've done some crazy things since then for the simple fact that I never ever gave up and I continued to produce and I continued to test myself and I continued yeah. to, whenever I saw opportunity, like, I mean, the whole reason why I became a voice actor was because I was, I was editing dialogue on a game and the voice actor left and they didn't even know that I could do voices. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, whenever you see little opportunities, you just jump in and you're never scared and you stand up for yourself and you know your worth. I mean, all of those things. I mean, and a lot of that comes from taking care of yourself emotionally. You know, because it's like if you're not taking care of yourself emotionally, then you don't know your worth. Then you don't know what you can truly accomplish. Then you don't know, like, you know, the bar and you, for and yourself. You, and you don't and you don't ask those questions like, hey, maybe I can do that. Or, hey, why don't I ask them about this? Or why don't I just. So, yes, yeah. I totally yeah. get that emotional the block that you're adding for yourself. Absolutely. What's up?
Tony Macaroni. She seems like she uh, she knows about the business here. She knows me. She's amazing. <laughs> she's like an awesome like self starter. She does yoga. She she's done like she makes t shirts. Like she's a rock star. She does so many cool things. Like she's awesome. she's one of those people that she's not a comic book fan, but she she like gets hustle because like I mean if that was like her middle name, that's what that's what it would be. It would be like Tony Hustle Macaroni. So nice. So yeah, she gets uh, it. Um, Slim Jones tune. How do you feel about Dan Harmer's Story Circle? Actually, I was planning on having a complete. Um, talk about this at some point in the future um I, I know you probably have something to say about it uh patrick but um that's a that's a deep discussion you got a short answer for that no i actually i haven't i haven't uh, gotten into it yet like i've heard people talking about it and stuff like mm -hmm. that so it's just like yeah that's something that a, i've yeah. got to do yeah, I'd say it's an evolution of the the hero's journey kind of thing, you know, where you begin and so forth. Um, but yeah, um, that's a discussion I was going to have with a theater guy, uh, one of my old friends. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely be sure to follow up on that. But if any of you who are in the comments um, or who are here watching want to follow up, uh, I can't really record all of the the comments you make during the live. But if you make sure you comment on the actual post or any of my posts on my profile page or Patrick's page, you know, uh, at me, at Mr. Benja or, you know, at Patrick Hickey Jr., you know, we'll definitely be sure to get looped in and and keep the energy going. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, really quick, I got you for the other half hour. Like I said, um, is there anything you want to ask of, ask of me while, while we're here? Because we don't always get together and talk. Yeah. Like, um I mean, you know, so many like amazing people. It's just like one of the things like I always wanted to ask you is just like, um, was there ever a moment for you where you were like, I'm done? Like you didn't want to do this anymore. Like be creative. And then how did you respond to that? Um, so I in being creative and just trying to build things for so long, I had outlets like when I was in high school I was I was drawing a lot and you know I had a good relationship with the coach of the football team which meant that any of the banners that went up you know I get pulled out of class and I could create um, the game ball would come out and you know I'd be able to take off like fifth period or whatever and just draw on the game ball for the entire oh. team so you know the computer lab was open to me and I was doing the computer thing. So it's like, well, Hey, you know, Benjamin, can you come in on Saturday and help me set up the computers? We'll pay you. And it's like, as a high school kid, I'm like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I get to play on computers and get paid. I'm there. So I always had these outlets. And when I got to a point in my, in quote unquote, the real world where people didn't want to hear from me. Not that I wasn't putting out good stuff. It's just that sometimes you run into a position where what you're trying to create has no outlet. Then it got weird. And I was like, no one, there's no predefined outlet for any of my creativity. Um, you know, I was talking to galleries and they were like, yeah, get out of here, kid. I was talking to people on the internet and they're like, well, hey, maybe you can do game art. And I'm like, it's not exactly what I'm trying to do, like build art for games, you know. That's, yeah. So I started running into a lot of, um, you know, just areas of no outlet. I was 
I was in undefined territory, you know, unwritten mm-hmm. space. And the pushback I was getting from people started getting to the point where it was really frustrating. Um, you know, my mother uh, said, you know, you need to give up on this. Um, I was actually working at Sony at, at, at one point and Sony didn't want to hear my ideas. And I was like, these are good ideas. This is what you asked for. Oh my God, let me create it. And, you know, when an entire company of like, you know, four sub studios, they have different teams. They're like, you know, no, we want you to do this, but we don't like your answer or we don't like your way of going about it. And I'm like fuming. I'm like, you hired me because I know open world, but you don't want me to build the open world in this way. What the hell are you talking about? And, you know, I'm flipping out and yeah, multiple people, multiple arenas, multiple levels were just like, no, we don't like this. No, we don't like this. And I really was about to pack up, um, move back to New Orleans and just get, be done with it all. In fact, it was to the point where I left a bunch of stuff in a, um, in a storage, storage unit. I'd already packed it up in storage. You know, I'm getting letters from the storage guys like, you know, hey, we're going to auction this stuff off and da, da, da. And I was like, I don't care. That's all my old life. I'm giving it up. I'm done. Uh, and I actually did let that lapse and that stuff is gone. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I, but I was so, because um, I had, I had paintings, I had materials in there, I had books. Um, there was a small TV in there. It was just like, I didn't care. I'm like, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm just going to move back to New Orleans, do a, you know, get a job maybe with my, my aunt or, you know, work at whatever I was just going to be done. And this is how much that not getting my creativity out was frustrating me. Um, but then someone uh, that I knew contacted me or we were, I was just contacting random people, but I got a, I made a connection with them and they said, Hey, come down and check out this, whatever. And, you know, that was what we were talking about, you know, being open or having the, the clarity of mind to ask questions or accept different avenues. And I said, you know what? I was actually, I was, I was living at my brother's place at the time temporarily while I was getting ready to go home. So technically I decided to be homeless. I was like, screw that place. Um, you know, I had a, I was in um, Palms in California and it was, they had just upped the rent to $1,800 a month for a studio, you know? So I was like, the only reason I stayed there was because it was a very creative area. It was close to Sony, Paramount, um, a lot of areas in Santa Monica that you hear about. Um, you know, the pier and all that Malibu, it was close to a lot of stuff. That's why I was out there being creative. But when no one wanted to hear from me, I was like, pay 1800 a month, listen to you guys. And I got this going on and you know, whatever, da, da, da. So I'm arguing with the lady at the rental office and I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not going to sign another lease. Screw you. I'm done with this. And I didn't have a place to stay when I'm saying this. Right. So yeah, I moved in with my brother and the whole plan was to move in with him while I figure out how to move back to New Orleans and give up. Wow. But I got a call. I got a call from somebody that said, Hey, um, 
come check this out. It had nothing to do with my situation. They didn't know that I was about to just leave everything behind. And they didn't know that, you know, I was uh, living with my brother um, and in this crazy funk. But they just contacted me and said, hey, come check this out. So I was like, you know what? I love when people put me on game. They say I, I might be interested in something. You know what? That's the kind of energy I put out. I'll respond to it. So I talked with this person and ended up becoming like the IT manager of this artist studio area. It changed my trajectory completely. And I wasn't mad at myself, but I was very not shocked. I was very just a studious of what had just happened. I was really observing what just happened. I was like, I almost took a crazy route outside of what I really want to do. I almost possibly closed the door on my own passion. That's really interesting. I don't know if it would have turned out better or worse, but that almost happened because I couldn't find a creative outlet. I couldn't make, a, I, I thought I couldn't make one, but one was there. So, so yeah, that was one of those moments where I just almost gave it up and was just like, screw it. Um, Wild. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just, and you know, people on the outside looking in, I don't, I didn't tell many people this because at the time, you know, people, most people would have been like, Suck it up, you know. Yeah. Can't get, can't get your way in life, you know. Yeah. Go do something else, you know. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm working. Yeah. I'm, I'm working at Sony, and we're having so many problems that, you know, um, they ended up letting me go when the project cycle ended. Um, basically, you know, in, in video games, if a project cycle ends and they don't like you, they don't fire you. They just say, "Oh, project's over." Uh, Mm -hmm. you know and they do kind of firing without firing you know so yeah, yeah. I, I totally expected it you know project ended um they were like well hey we've assigned everybody for the next project um we don't have a place for you on this project anymore and i was like yeah i get it yeah and it led me down a couple months of spiraling into i don't want to say badness but just into a new area of i don't understand what's going on Mm -hmm. that was my that's lowest wild. creative moment i feel you man oh that's great like that i mean it's a great story in the fact that like you learned like a lot about yourself i mean i feel super similar because like academia like if you don't have tenure is super similar it's like you finish the semester if you're an adjunct and you're part-time you finish the semester you put in your grades and then it's just like yeah we don't have a class for you you know and it's like um I remember, I'll never forget, I just got my master's degree from the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism, which is like a top five journalism program in like the entire world. It's the Craig Newmark School of Journalism now. And um, I had gotten stuff published in the New York Times, the Daily News during my time there. Like I, I kicked ass while I was there. And um, I got a phone call from the college that I'm full time at now that I have tenure at now and stuff. But they were like, um, yeah, your courses got canceled for the winter. Mm. And I didn't have another job. And I had interviewed at NBC like um, like two months prior. And they were like, oh, we'll call you in January. And now it's like January 2nd. And the semester, Kingsborough semester, was supposed to start in two days. So I was looking forward to having two classes for the winter semester. 
and my two classes got canceled and now I don't have a job for like the first time in my adult life. And like, I wanted to move out with my fiance, like move in together with my fiance and stuff like that. And I was just like, what the hell am I going to do? And for like three hours, I was just like, what am I going to do? And then NBC called and they were like, um, can you start like, <laughs> like three days from then? And I'm like, I can yeah. come in right now. I'm like, I could take the train right now there. Yeah. And they're like, no, like, can you come by in like three days and get started? And I was like, sure. And then um, the day before I was supposed to start at NBC, my college called me back and they're like, oh, well, we have one class for you instead of two. So then I was just like, now I have to make a decision. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take the one class because I need the money, mm -hmm. but I'm going to kick ass at NBC. And because this is what I really want to do. And I'm going to kick ass there and stuff. And then it was just like, I kicked ass at my at teaching too at that, that semester. And, you know, that led down another good path. And like, again, it goes back to like what I said before about not holding grudges, not burning bridges. And, you know, three years later, you know, I was 31 and I was full, a full-time college professor, you know? So it's just like, that doesn't happen, you know? And I could have easily, like, I saw that one door close and I could have went on and just stayed at NBC and they, and ultimately offered me a full-time job too. And then I had to pick between those and that's a story for another day, but it was just like, I never let like one door completely close, you know? And it's just like, it, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same exact way. Sometimes it gets crazy because it's like, you really have so many doors open. You have so many choices yeah. that you can make every day in your life. And I can't stand when somebody says I have no choice. And just sometimes you have a shitty choice, you know, sometimes you have a collection of shitty choices, but you always do have a, you always do have a choice, yeah. you know? And so it's just like, it's up to you to make the best choice for you. And in, in your case, you, you made a choice that was best for you at that time. And it, it changed you. And I'm, I'm so happy that you did because like, it means that like, we're here today and we're having the conversation that we're having. So it's just like, you know, crazy stuff happens. Like I, I think to myself all the yeah. time too, like, if Conjury would have came out when I was 18, oh my God. Yeah. Awful, awful. You know, it's like every, like, like I said, every couple of years, fine tuning that made like the yeah. difference. And then like the three artists that I went through that it didn't work. Like when I met, by the time I met Kieran, I just said to myself, I'm not going to give him a storyboard. I'm going to give him like, I'm going to turn this into like a short story and I'm going to be like, read this and make it come alive. And then I will put the words back into place and we will tell yeah. the story that way. So I ended up giving him like a ton of artistic freedom and to tell the story. So like, I mean, I'm the creator and the writer, but like he has just as much, much uh, authorship of the story too, because like I, I've given him that, that type of creative freedom. And I think I didn't give that to the art, other artists, you know? So it's just like, again, everything happens at its own time for the craziest, craziest reasons. And like, Sometimes there are no answers, you know, sometimes there will exactly. never be answers, you know, yeah. and it's just like, as a journalist, I've spent like a big part of my life, like trying to tell other people's stories and trying to find out facts. And, but it's like, it's really crazy because it's like, sometimes facts don't exist. I mean, we've, we've had conversations before, like in the book, like about war jets, like mm -hmm. so, some people would be like, oh, war jets. Oh, who cares? Well, well, it's like a bargain bin, you know, but yeah. it's just like, when you look at it, if most people haven't even played it. And it's just like, when I play it, I'm just like, this is a really cool game that like, I mean, yeah. Rocket League, I mean, this is like Rocket League 10 years, 15 years before, like there's so many cool things going on here. And just like so many people just talk 
about things that they've never experienced. They jump on the bandwagon. Then, then we've got the whole yeah. cancel culture thing. And it's like so many people are like so unwilling to experience as much as they possibly can every single day. And when you meet people that go to bed exhausted because they've worked so hard and, and tried to experience so much. And when you meet people that wake up tired because they've even been experiencing stuff like in their dreams, like those yeah. are the people like to me that like I want to hold on to like for the rest of my life, you know? So just mm -hmm. like, you know, somebody like you, you're constantly, your wheels are constantly turning. You're constantly trying to think of like new ways to move things. It's just like that. Those are the types of people that like, I want to be around, you know? And it's just like, again, opportunities like this to meet people like you, like, you know, like, like we said before, Howard Scott Warshaw, like for yeah. me, Tony, Tony Barnes is another guy. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Tony. Yeah. Like, I, I talk, he is like, <laughs> he is freaking like, he is so smart. Like he's so out there in the best way possible, yeah. you know? And it's just like, I love people like if, that. And it's just like, that, that yeah. wasn't around 10 years ago. So now it's just yeah. like, I just want to enjoy it. If, uh, you know, when if E3 ever becomes a thing and I mean, becomes a thing again and everybody starts going to it, um, you got to make sure we get out there, hang out. Because when you mentioned Tony Barnes, I immediately think back to E3 stories where everybody's talking and laughing and he's sitting around kind of quiet and then he suddenly goes, you know, and drops a Tony Barnes story and everybody's just like mind blown. So it's. I love it, man. I love the connections. Um, you know, I think we've we've hit upon some really good stuff here. Uh, good value for the people. As I yeah. said, um, I'll be putting these out to to YouTube and the podcast platforms, so we'll definitely have a place to save it and refer back to it. Um, so before we get out of here, is there um, how can people find you and? Uh, where you know what are you doing right now that they, they should be looking out for oh my god whole bunch of stuff so but i'll try and get it over with as quickly as possible um so the minds behind the games we've got four books out currently um the minds behind the games the minds behind adventure games the minds behind sports games and the minds behind shooter games those are all available barnes and noble target walmart um mcfarland amazon all over the place um, I'm currently working. Uh, I have two books that are available for pre-order: um, the Minds Behind Sega Genesis games and the Minds Behind Sony PlayStation games. Um, I'm currently wrapping up the Minds Behind PlayStation Two games. That's probably going to be the last book in the Minds Behind the Game series for a while, because I mean, okay. seven seven books in like five years. I gotta let like the market catch up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, so that all of those books are available in all of those places. However, however, um, if you really want to support me. Um, the best way to support me is to go to my site, patrickhickeyjr.com, uh, <clears throat> patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books. You can buy all of my books directly from me. And what I will do is I will personalize your book and I will throw really cool stuff in there. So it's just like um, uh, if you're like from Oakland, you're probably going to get some Raiders. Um, there you go. Yes. Yeah. I wrote in your book. Um, so I'll write in your book. I'll I'll put cool stuff in it. If you like wrestling, I'll put like some like wrestling cards in there. Like I do, I try and put cool stuff in there. I actually met somebody that um, admitted to me that they never played Madden. So like any Madden ever. So I went to the video game store and I bought the original John Madden on Sega Genesis for like four bucks. And I'm just like, I signed it for them. And I put it in the bag because I'm just like, yo, listen, you've got to play like the original Madden. That's, that's like where it all started, you know? Um, so that's for the books. Um, for Condry, 
Um, you can go to lesserknowncomics.com. Um, Conjury right now is the best-selling, their uh, most downloaded book, Conjury Zero and Conjury One. Um, they've got some great other books there too. Um, all of the comics on there right now are, are all free to download. So if like you like comics or if you want to get introduced to comics, um, it's not NWO Slim Johnson, this is Bullet Club. So it's a little bit different, you know, but it's, you know, it's the same thing, NWO, Bullet Club, they're all derivative of one another. But um, so if you, if you want to read uh, Conjury, Go to, yeah, that's right, for life. Um, if you want to go the comic book route, uh, lesserknowncomics.com, you can download all of the stuff there for free. I'm going to be doing a signing on uh, free comic book day on August 14th in Bulletproof Comics, which is the biggest and baddest comic book store in Brooklyn. Um, going to have like around 250 books to sign, give away, all sorts of cool stuff. There's going to be variant covers, sketch covers. It's going to be like really freaking cool. Um, voice acting stuff. Um, I am the main, I am the voice of the main character in the Padre video game series. There's two games in the series, the Padre, uh, which is available on Xbox One, PS4, Steam, Nintendo Switch, um, and then the Padre One Shell Straight to Hell, which is the sequel, um, which is currently only available on Steam. And then, uh, yeah, I've done voiceover for a bunch of other indie games like the Caillou Offensive and uh, Relentless Rex, and I'm doing voiceover for Tony Barnes's upcoming game, Run, Die, Run Again. I'm the voice of the narrator in the game, which is super cool. Um, it's a first-person, like, survival platformer. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I've done writing on a couple of games that are in development right now that I can't talk about um, because of NDAs, and uh, I will just say that if, if you're a fan of my writing, and especially Conjury, to stay tuned in the next couple of months, because I have several very big announcements um, that are going to be, like, mind-blowing. Mind so, so yeah, that's pretty much... Uh, Instagram is my preferred social media platform, so it's at Patrick Hickey Jr. Message me, follow me. I interact with this, with everybody. I'm not scared to, yeah. like, talk to people. So if you have questions, throw them at me. Um, and that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Uh, very cool. Uh, yeah, you are. You are the Instagram guy. Uh, the, one of the reasons we started a little late was because I was. I have to. I usually pick some pictures uh, to kind of post in my little gallery of like. Oh hey, my god! I'm sorry. And I was like, Impossible oh my god! Find. I'm scrolling all these pictures. But, yeah. But it, yeah. no, good stuff, man. I loved it. Well, cool, man. Um, thanks, man. Thanks everybody who came through. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Uh, it's definitely been a good time. Uh, a lot Absolutely. of good information passed here. I do have notes. As I said, I will link this up. Um, I decided to redo some of my website stuff, so I'll have that all put out there. Of course, you'll be able to find more information uh, just by contacting us. Do that. Interact. Keep it moving. Patrick, um, we'll talk again. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. We'll do another yeah. one of these, if not on Instagram, you know, whatever platform in the future. Sure. Uh, VR shit. I don't know. I'll try That's it. That's right. One day that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. All right. It's been good. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right. I'm go ahead and click a little button. I'm just going to round up. It was like a little cancel or something there. Oh, see, this is that awkward moment where one guy is still not. There we go. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, it was definitely a good time. Uh, Benjicon is a little celebration of my Comic-Con experiences, my network experiences with all of these uh, different different minds and different people. Um, I, tr I do this every year. I've just now started doing it online and sharing it with people. 
before I used to just get people together in rooms, hotels, or wherever we were hanging out, or conference calls, et cetera, and do this. So now I'm doing it online. Let me know what you think. Um, please follow along. We got a couple more people to round out the weekend, but this is the kind of thing we do here, and hope we had a good time. Um, follow on and have a good day. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.